You're listening to Human Hackers, where we talk human and online. With Phil Richards and Ian Hopkinson. All right, Phil, we've got a rhythm to this now. We're, we're well and truly back into it. And today's an interesting one, talking about capturing the moment and not like what you would expect. There's an emergency response element to today's episode. And we've got Matt DeWard here with us. It's one of the most interesting names to see on paper, Matt DeWard. <laughs> and I'll make sure I spell it right in all of the promotional materials. But welcome, Matt. Welcome to the program, mate. It's great to have you. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Phil. It's very, uh, very exciting to be here. Always enjoy chatting with you two gentlemen. <laughs> Well, it's sort of part of the dynamic, isn't it, really, Ian? It's like it's all about being casual. It's it's a mix between a – it's not really a radio show, but it's not really a podcast. It's more of just a casual chat that uh, happens to contain some some intriguing, valuable information, really. Yeah, and a bit of a disclaimer for the listeners as well. We have worked together in various capacities, so it might be even more casual than it usually is. (laughs) Yeah, which is is all good. And and, uh, again, that – like you said, it's capturing the moments, the name of the episode, and probably to, to give the listeners a bit of a background there too, Matt, Matt and I have worked together for how many years, Matt? Uh, uh, I'm going to say well, I want to say eight. Eight, eight. Yeah, around about eight, eight to ten years. I thought it might have been ten, but yeah, maybe through 10. Risk Response and Rescue in Wollongong, um, providing uh, high-end training in emergency response, so both having a – an emergency response background. We, we we met at Triple R, I suppose, uh, Ian, and started to create immersive training experiences, mate. Yeah, correct. Just the way it's supposed to be, Phil. What is an immersive training experience? It's like real life, Ian. One of the one of the big issues, and this is this is a potential soapbox moment here, Matt. I think uh, <laughs> there's a potential soapbox moment here. The, well, we've got we've got a soapbox ready. Just I'll just roll it out for you, Phil. It's, yeah, we, well, it's just just step up onto it and have a go. We built we custom built one for you. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not very tall, so it has to give me some sort of elevation in the world. But um, so so the soapbox moments is about training. One of the one of the issues in training in general, and this is probably international, not just national, is. In high-risk skills, in other words, where you've got a lot of value at risk, whether it's asset or life of some kind, um, there is a tendency to want to do sort of tick box, check box type training, where you're going through, you're going through learning a technical skill, but you're not being immersed in the environment that you would normally have to execute that skill. So, what it means is you don't get to understand what the stresses and the pressures are that normally impact on you as an operator in that sort of emergency response environment where you've got to use those high-risk skills. And so what it means is quite often people fail. So they're technically competent in terms of the skill itself, but unless they've been immersed fully in the environment, challenging environment that they're going to be operating in, quite often it just doesn't work. It doesn't come together. You lose the team um, performance element. You lose the individual performance element. And ultimately, because it's a, a high value at risk, it results in um, potential loss of asset and or life. So what Matt and I did in our relationship uh, at Risk Response and Rescue is we developed um, some highly immersive experiences and techniques to get the individuals into a space where they lost the perception of what was real and what wasn't. So in other words, when they were reacting to circumstances, exercising their technical skill, they literally got lost in the scenario and the dynamics and they started to behave the way they would actually behave in those circumstances. And what that gave us was a chance to um, to then train them in ways to cope with those dynamics in order to be able to deliver their technical skills in an appropriate way in an emergency response environment. That's brilliant because it's more about having an operational mindset, isn't it? It's it's getting them as ready as possible for the real thing, and that's that's got to be difficult to do. Well, well it is, and, and, and Matt, you, you'd, you'd back this up in terms of the the dynamics we see. We saw a whole range of dynamics, didn't we, in that in that training environment? Definitely did. I think we saw we've seen everything from you know utter elation right through to you know despondency, disappointment, uh, anger, frustration is a is a common one. Frustration when things don't go how. You know, if, if I've got that 
that list of things that I need to do and then all of a sudden one of those things is just not going to work you you see that pop up quite quite regularly um and we'd we would see the full range of the full gamut of emotions that would come with it with uh, people's reactions to what was actually occurring uh, to them and around them and the interactions that they'd have with other people it was never it was never exactly what they thought it was going to be which is exactly like it is in real life mm. and and the interesting thing i suppose Ian, in in by our nature, by Matt's nature and my nature, I suppose, we're naturally engaged at a completely different level. So we weren't there as the trainers or the instructors. Well, probably the closest term was a facilitator, but also a friend. And that we tried to connect to people who were training and actually facilitate the experience for them, which is a completely different relationship. You referred to mindset before, Ian. It's sort of like a, it's beyond the mindset. We're starting to move into that emotional realm which is what we're seeing manifest when they're under pressure. It's the emotional component that's showing out. And so by connecting to the audience at a deeper level, if you like, by understanding them, by under, you know understanding what, what challenges them, where they're vulnerable and all those things, we're able to actually craft an experience that, um, that took them to the edge and gave them a reference experience that said, you know what, I've been to the edge and I now know how to deal with it. So my performance level in that environment, it becomes actually rather normal and rather easy because I've been taken to the edge. And it's those edgy moments, I suppose, Matt, that lead us into the, the topic of this episode in, in capturing the moment because what we had to do, Ian, as part of it was capture evidence for the training. We had to actually capture the evidence that we had trained these people and this is how they were performing. Part of that was video, part of that was photos, and that's where... I think Matt's skill, he's got an outstanding skill in the, in the photography space. Um, that's where that started to show out because he's got an innate ability to pick those emotional moments. Yeah, that's that's amazing because I, I, well, I saw some of the, I've seen a lot of your work, but the work that you've done in the emergency response space is, you know, it's world class. There's, I haven't seen it done the way you do it, Matt, in, in any other uh, training organisation or in any other sort of similar situation and i just it's it takes a rare eye to capture that because these are real moments that you could easily catch probably if you had you know a couple of gopros on helmets and things like that but i'm sure there's compliance issues where you can't do that you've got to have the imagery and you've got to capture that energy in that one that one shot and i'm sure you take a bunch of shots but (laughs) the, the stuff that i've seen just has the right angle, the right treatment, the right facial expressions. You know, there's just so much about it that it tells a story and that, and that is really what this is about. And it's an art. It's an art. I think, I think with the nature of online and people being able to just snap a shot on their phones, they take it for granted that the work that you're doing actually is a lot behind it. So I really appreciate that. It's a it's something that I've sort of grown into over the past decade, I would say. And the thing that really stands out to me about it is, is all those things that you mentioned, it was really about trying to capture the people, the emotion, the, um, the feeling of what was going on to be able to share it back to, originally it was to share it back to the participants. Um, so there was an, a component of, you know, I do quite a lot of, imagery capture for evidence purposes so that if you needed to see what we did in a particular scenario and which environment we did it in and how it was conducted, it's the old adage of, you know, picture tells a thousand words. Um, we did have a, a time where we would just video a whole lot of things, but essentially when you're just, when you're just walking around videoing, all you're really capturing is uh, just a viewpoint of what's actually going on. I found that with the photography... Yeah, it's just, just sort of coverage, isn't it? It's just coverage. Um, yep. You do capture moments of, of clarity within video. Um, and if you're very, very deliberate in how you capture it, you can capture, you know, little 10, 15, 20-second clips that can work very, very well to uh, portray that dynamic that occurs that is also really um, a function of those environments. The bit about the photos was that as you said, you, you, you have to capture the, that instant that it's going to happen. 
And something that I was very lucky and very fortunate to have was a lot of freedom in that role to actually go and do that. So whilst we were facilitating training, uh, because there was usually more than one of us, oftentimes there'd be two, occasionally three or four uh, facilitators. So it allowed, uh, allowed me to actually go looking for those angles to say, hey, what am I actually trying to portray? Because one of the uh, people I've now asked me about the photography side of it and go, how did you capture that photo? And I always think there's actually two, two sides to it. One is it's I, I'm very, very deliberate about what I choose to put in the photo, but I'm also very, very deliberate about what I choose to actually exclude from the image. Yep. So it's very, when, you know, we live in an image saturated world these days, as you know, like everyone's got a phone in their pocket with a, with a brilliant camera and we're just seeing stuff just getting thrown on social media day after day after day. It's just, they can't keep up with the amount of imagery that's being uploaded. But what is it that actually makes you stop and look at that photo and go, what the heck is going on here? It's more than a snapshot. You have to actually go, it's really, it's like, Hey, that's great. It's the classic. Uh, I use example, people try and take photos of a full moon and everyone loves going, oh, it was, it was magic. I wanted to share it with my family and friends. You should have seen it. And they pull their phone out and they try and take the photo. And you go, I know what you were seeing, but the camera doesn't see what you see. It looks like a street light. Yeah. It looks like a street light. And you, know, there's, you really have to be very, very deliberate about what you choose to take photos of, how you choose to take photos of them. But also when you look at it, um, you know, it's the, the other side of it is the classic one. People take photos of their friends and they chop all their feet off and they put in, <laughs> and they put in this gigantic strip of blue sky and you're going, what were you, what were you actually trying to take the photo of? Oh, I wanted to take the photo of my, my friends and their smiley faces. It's like, well, why didn't you take a photo of their faces? Why did you choose to, they can, all they see, they focus on the little bit, the faces in the middle, but they forget that 90% of the image that they've taken is the background yeah. And it's actually not what they wanted to see. They wanted to see the friends' faces. So it's like, hey, just walk about walk about five meters closer and get them all to bunch up, take photos of their faces if that's what you want. So <laughs> it's funny because they think that's artistic. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, they think they're being uh, they think they're being insta worthy. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a lot of. Um, I looked at it. I I've, I was very lucky to have the freedom to do that and to to actually be in the situation that they were in, not just not just observing it from the outside, but um, to be immersed in it with them. So there was actually times, I think Phil's seen this a couple of times with me, where I put the camera down. Yeah. I literally yeah. took like took a knee with the team and put the camera down and said, This is not this is not something I need to take photos of. Like this is quite powerful, but it's also uh, this is a moment for those people and no, and for nobody else. Um, the camera goes down, share that moment, uh, let someone, you know, have their laugh, shed a tear, whatever it is they need to do. And then we move on. Occasionally I would put, pull the camera up to the face and, and just quietly snap a photo or reflective moment from somebody. And, you know, it might not be, those moments might not necessarily work for other people, but they definitely work for that person. And I find that those moments shared later on have have a very key emotional impact on a lot of people we'll be back shortly with human hackers in what you've just said there matt it just it covers a range of things as well and that the some of the some of the context i suppose in for what we that, that training environment what we what we've done and can do in that environment is invariably an emergency response that involves death and we, Matt and I have had quite a few moments over time that have involved death, um, simulated death. Um, they are extremely powerful moments and literally they change people's lives. You know, it's all done in the right way. It's it's done with respect to the individuals and you got to know whether there's anything else going on at the time and all the rest of it but the actual impact of what the purpose is of their training is quite incredible. The the fact we've created that environment is part of the lever for causing the change. It's causing a transformation. We're not making them change in a certain way 
what we're doing again is creating the experience to facilitate the change, to trigger the change, to allow a chance to reflect and understand what is really going on inside because that's where you start to guide your ability to to self-regulate in those stressful moments and still perform. The thing with Matt's work is that not only has he connected himself to that environment by being a responder, so he's in the environment itself, he's in a training scenario that is close to reality, he's choosing to capture the moments because he's feeling what they're feeling, so that provides the trigger to then identify when that moment's going to occur. Matt's got the advantage of knowing, you know, we, we obviously communicate as facilitators, so we've got that chance to actually say, okay, we're going to do this now. So he's got a heads up, something is going to happen. But that doesn't give him a heads up as to when the emotional moment's going to occur with the uh, the particular person being trained. And so he's actually sensing that moment as well because he's connected to it. This is an incredibly powerful point. And this is what we've been banging on about in a range of other other podcast episodes about understanding yourself, getting grounded, and connecting to other people. And the irony is when you let go enough to allow yourself to be immersed in this sort of environment but still have the awareness to do something like Matt does in capturing the photos, you are in the ultimate position to detect when the emotion is happening. And and that's the key here. And the other thing is, the second point I suppose, Matt, is if you take your skill set and if you'd, just, if you'd not been an emergency responding, you'd just been a, a normal photographer, if you like, um, you would have got a really high level of skill as well. But what this environment's done, because it's immersed you emotionally in what's going on, not just as a, you know, a thinking photographer, you're, you're an immersive photographer, I'd say is probably a better description. Um, what that's done is that's enhanced the capacity for you to perform because it's put pressure on the dynamics. You know, we're undergrounding, we're, you know, K or so underground, 2Ks underground, whatever, um, and we've got dust and we've got bad light and machinery, <laughs> big machines going up and down and all these other dynamics, all the distractions under the sun are all happening in this same environment. Now, like anything for skill acquisition, when you're challenged at that level, that creates a whole different outcome in terms of your skill and capability. And I guess, Matt, you, you've been lucky enough in one way, but deliberate enough in another way and conscious enough in another way to know how to capitalise on those opportunities you'd been placed in. Bit of a back to the future moment, isn't it? You've got the sports sports almanac, you've got the inside track because you know the subject so well, you know the essence of it. You know the angles intuitively, um, the moments and and even better you know the people as well um you know the, the people always say oh you've got my wrong side you know they, they always <laughs> joke about that right they do but, and it's not that people have a right or a wrong side but there's often an angle or a an essence that you can draw out of a situation knowing it as deeply as you do there's there's certain people too that uh that we notice in our day-to-day lives that come across as those larger than life characters, those people that stand out, um, you know, this, this whole idea that we're this, this sort of homogenous society where we're all the it's not true. You know, there are people that there are shrinking violets. There are the wallflowers. There's people that just are standing up on their soapbox in the middle of a room. And, you know, it's, it's funny. There is always those people that, um, that lend themselves a little bit more to, to the photos than others. Um, and they feature a little bit, little bit heavier than others but um it's actually you know some of the some of the better photos or the ones that i enjoy the most are from those moments where the people that you wouldn't expect to pop up the ones that you know you haven't seen them for quite a while they sit in the background and then something something magical happens they just they just (laughs) they just explode onto the scene and you're just thinking wow where did this person come from and you you know, it's it's this wonderful little surprise. Um, you know, I've, I think back of a a time when we had a a particular course participant who was actually uh, the manager of all the people that were on the on the program, and that person was they were the quietest, they were, they were almost meek in in a way, just really very very gentle, didn't want to step on anybody's toes, and something happened on this particular program, and this just this person came out and this person has just been going strength to strength and I actually look back on those photos and I saw when it happened it was just this moment there was something clicked 
it was one of those immersive experiences that Phil was talking about and nothing could stop this, this particular person from that point on. And you could see it in their face. You could see the, the photos from sort of day one, day two of the course are, are very quiet. They're very reflective. They're very um, uh, sort of, you can see there's a lot of thinking going on, but not a lot coming out, not a lot being expressed. And then day three, it's all expression and nothing else. It's, you know, and, and there was just genuine, genuine laughter coming from this person. They just, it was amazing. I've seen it a couple of times now. And once you see it, like you can't, it doesn't matter what, what you think is your good side. If someone, if someone just explodes with emotion like that, there's, there's, it's all good from every angle. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I haven't been on one of these courses, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard about the, uh, just the sheer amount of processing, overnight processing that happens on those first two days. And then, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense, you know, by the third, there's this sort of explosion, um, or an opening up that occurs really. There's got to be a, there's a, there's a level of comfort that comes with this as well. It's a, it's not a, not an easy thing to like, I really feel for say a portrait photographer that gets to meet someone for 10, 15 minutes and then try and capture their essence. I don't think that, tr- I don't think they really, really get it. I think there's a, there's a time component in there because the, the elements that, or the environments that we could put these people into, um, the total immersiveness, the, the raw emotion that can come out is actually they need to trust. They need to trust us. They need to trust Phil. They need to trust myself. Like if I'm going to put a, if I'm going to be running around with a camera while someone is having a a moment that, you know, they don't particularly want to share with the world. That's a, it takes a lot of trust for people to actually let go. Like I've had a lot of people at the start of programs going, you're not taking photos of me, mate. It's just not going to happen. And then by day two, day three, it, it, it's just a gentle thing. You know, I don't have to ask them. I just show them and just say, this is what I'm actually doing. And a lot of them come around and the other side of it is a lot of them forget. They just mm. don't, they stop worrying about it after, after a while. And then they see it afterwards and go, Hey, that was, that was fantastic. Thanks for doing that. I'm really glad you did. Um, there's still the odd person that, you know, they don't want their image captured because it's, it's not for them. It's, um, it's, but it's a lot of people like to hide that way. It's, they're not comfortable enough that, uh, you know, a photographer can take their photo and it's not like we're going out there and sharing it with everybody, but it's a, um, especially in those raw moments, it's a, you, you, you expose yourself in a big way. And if someone's there to capture it at that time, that's a, um, you either got, you would have to be so emotionally engaged that you don't know what's happening or be trustworthy enough that, Hey, that's, that's fine. You know, I need to, I'm okay with that. That's a perfect segue, Matt. Perfectly timed segue. So I'm thinking, Ian, in, in terms of people are listening in, human hackers, and we're talking about emergency response. Now we're talking about photography. And and I'm thinking we might we might sort of guide the conversation a little bit towards a couple of key things that come out of what we just talked about. Essentially, it's, it's all about the emotional expression, I suppose, and the letting go. You were talking about then, Matt, you know, is, is where we need to get people to. That's where performance turns up. It doesn't turn up when you're structured too much. You'll get A-level performance, but you won't get outstanding performance. And so letting go is critical to that. Part of that is expression of emotion like we've talked about. And I think the, the, the key to this, given that a lot of what we've done together has been around the change process and what we're doing together, Ian, is around the change process as well, you know, in combining human and online. Yep. Um, so essentially... The discussion thus far has been about creating experiences and now we probably need to just touch on, on the meaning because what, what Matt's capturing in the photos and what they're experiencing, the participants are experiencing in real life is um, creating an opportunity to re-trigger emotion. So those photos and the way Matt captures them, people look at them and they get lost in those photos because the ability of our facial expressions and our body in general to express what's happening inside is innate. It's the way it works. So what we're feeling on the inside gets expressed and communicated on the outside. That's just the natural way that it seems to work. And so what's happening is it's re-triggering different thoughts. Now in those moments, what we found over time is that people start to think and reflect beyond their normal box, the normal box they live in, the normal confined, constricted world. What's happening is those experiences and those photos are triggering them to step out of that just for a moment. 
And so to an extent, they start to dream. They're starting to dream about different things in different ways from a different context and it starts to create new meaning. It starts to lead into possibilities. So essentially the transition piece here from emergency response uh, through photography, understanding the immersive experience, understanding all the dynamics that Matt's talking about here um, is to the point of influence. Ultimately, you know, as, as Matt and I in these programs were facilitating, we were facilitating to influence. What we're doing online is influencing. We're looking to capture an immersive experience and then portray it in the online space so that the person looking at it, whether it's a video or whether it's just a still photo, or whether it's some words that go with it, are also getting involved in that. And so purely by seeing that online or hearing that online, without having the immersive experience that triggered in this case, they're going to get a change process happening. They're going to get a new meaning starting to form. And at that moment, their life will start to change. Yeah, and that's, look, that's the heart of visual communication, especially online. Um, The picture is a thousand words, but it also has to have a certain style. And I've noticed that that's something that you, you do really well too, Matt, with the way you style the shots. So you capture the moment, but then afterwards, there's, there's obviously some treatment that you do to style that shot so that it matches up with, you know, in, in the case of Triple R, great example. What a, what a visually, you know, breathtaking sight really because of the photo, photos that you have provided, those moments that you've captured. And that does a lot for a brand to be able to tell a story that easily, that seamlessly and in a consistent way across all of the the communication channels that interestingly enough is what people take for granted now because they can snap it on their phone and they think that they they can be insta famous by (laughs) capturing you know their friends heads and mostly the blue sky um and they they run a filter over it because you know there's a filter for everything these days and hey presto look at me i'm a i'm a world-class photographer (laughs) well no this is the thing it's it's become more important to have an impact because there's a lot more of it out there. Uh, but also because at the end of the day, this is about alignment between people. People do business with people and they do mm. business with people that they like and they do business with people who um, they see some mutual understanding, some shared values, the, a story that they, they can relate to, an emotion that they can, they can get involved with and all of this amazingly there's a whole list of things there but all of that can be done through through great story message and branding and your visual communication is central to that well i'm sure people look at the two characters you know human hackers and go i don't know what this is about but (laughs) but there's something different here and i'm in i'm up for the chat and you know brand does that very very well and imagery is is central to that there's a there's a great um I don't know that you guys saw it, but there's a great Suzuki commercial and it's about uh, their smaller sort of new range of Suzuki four-wheel drives and it starts out with a couple of four-wheel drives racing up a hill and you think, okay, normal car ad. But then the, the camera pans out and it's a couple of guys with Suzuki skates. They're actually skating with the Suzuki cars on their feet <laughs> and it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's just, it's jarring. The music's got a, a freeing feeling to it. They're climbing a mountain. It's not your normal car ad. And, and what that does is straight away just completely throws everything out that you thought was normal for, the, for a car ad and it creates an experience that is memorable. It sticks in your mind. I mean, I'm mentioning it now. I mean, we're having a, a conversation that is free-flowing, could go anywhere. But it's stuck in my mind and I'm using it now as an example because I just said, you got me, guys. I thought this was a normal <laughs> car ad and you went in a completely different direction. And that's probably what we saw on you know, the programs themselves, Matt. The same sort of dynamic, I suppose, without the skates and the Suzuki um, element to it, I suppose, Ian, it's, we, we were literally orchestrating that challenging environment, orchestrating the, the shift, orchestrating the shock, if you like, 
to trigger the same process. That's that's the beauty in all of this, is that this is just we're just talking about natural human processes. What we were talking about prior to the call mat, you know, the natural processes we get caught up in stuff. It's all mm. the same, and that's that's where people need to understand that simplicity. They need to understand they're not the victim of or have to conform to. It's the trick is to understand the power you've already got, the power you were born with that gradually gets eroded over time due to, you know, the, the perceived lack of freedom or the need to conform or belong. And and really what Matt and I were doing and what you and I are doing now in um in lots of ways is following exactly the same formula that you've just described in the in the Suzuki ad. It's creating things that are triggering people to think differently. And to ideally act differently, not just think differently, but to generate a sufficient emotion to actually act at that point. And that's where you start to partake of life. That's the, mm. that's mm. the purpose of this show. Yep. It's not something that you do later on or you do for a period. It's what we're here for. We're here to experience it. Yep. Not here to build castles. Exactly. And that creates connection. And uh, when you've got that grounded approach and you're connecting with people in that way, like you said, Matt, you know, in those experiences when they're on that third day and they're in that, that space, and it's not even necessarily a safe space. You know, people say, say that, right, it's a phrase, oh, you're in a safe space. <laughs> no, no, you're not. It doesn't have to be safe. We just have to be, conne- we just have to be connected. We just need to have an understanding, and that's the whole shooting match. A lot of those relationships um, with course participants have continued on over the years with people that have essentially become your friends uh, because they've had that experience in a very short period of time where they've learnt that if you, as like Phil said, if you if you come, if you realise that you can bust the box wide open and change, you can change things immediately if you choose to. And we give people the option to do exactly that. This is, here's your option right here, right now. We can battle with you for the next several days over this and, and see if we can come to an arrangement with you of some description. And some people just, some people just free up and go with it. And immediately <laughs> you've watched their world change just straight away. And they, don't, they yeah. don't change back. A lot of them don't change back. They go, they just take a totally different path. Um, you know, we get people that call you up years later and go, "Hey, um, thanks for that. I um, I actually changed my career, or we moved to a different place, or I went on that adventure that you were talking about, or um, I really enjoy. You know, I've got into this whole other line of 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 hobby because of this, and <laughs> it's it's just a nice little thing to hear because we've we've all done the exact same things ourselves. Like this is, you know, I. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say oh, I ended up exactly where I did because of. Oh no, it was all. It was all me. It's like no. It was. I was guided around by all the different experiences that I had. I you know got exposed to a range of different things that had I not gone down door A, you know, you might not know what what's behind it, but that door doesn't go to somewhere. It goes to another corridor full of doors, <laughs> and you go. Oh. You know, if you don't know which one to pick, obviously, you know, you might look in someone and someone sort of beckons you in and says, hey, hey, come in here. It's really cool. You'll enjoy this. Um, or this might challenge you a little bit. And we, uh, all of our, all the people we've met a lot over the years have gone through those same experiences. We just happened to be there for a few of them and sort of help them, help them or encourage them through those experiences. And, you know, been that, been that guide, I guess, at the end of it, um, sort of saying, hey, Come on in here. You'll like it. Trust us, you will. Um, or the, or this may challenge you a little bit, but it's worth it. The funny thing is, we we were never telling anyone really what to do either, Matt. So it's it's not it's not about telling. It's 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 discovery process, I suppose. Ian is what it was all about. Same as everything else we've been talking about. It's all about creating the experience, and then there's a discovery process that comes out of that, which is part of the sense making or the meaning making process. Um, and and that, and that's really the trick to this whole thing, and it it goes from like we've illustrated in this call right now in this podcast episode, it goes from just you know emergency response through any other human endeavour through the ability to capture it, 
through the ability to put that in a form that can be accessed by many in order to create that alignment you referred to, Ian, and then ultimately to influence. And, and there's a very powerful trail in what I've just summarised there, and that's what we've got to engage in. And even even you look at, you know, on this on, on this episode here right now, we mentioned, you know, uh, haven't mentioned MJD photography yet, Matt, but I just did. <laughs> um, and we mentioned Triple R, but I guess for those listening in, this is not a promotional episode. What, we, what we're doing, I think, Ian, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but we go out and look for people that can do the job. Yep. And we find those people and then we talk to those people. And it's got nothing to do with this promotional episode crap that people sometimes do. That's not what this is about. We're saying here's some genuine experience, some genuine value that you can get out of hearing about this experience and understanding it. Let's just put it out there. So, yes, we mentioned Triple R and, and certainly, Matt, your, your website, MJD. Photos. You just have to Google Matt DeWard and he's got, he's, it's, it's right there. I checked, I checked it yesterday. Stuff shows up all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Google yourself. It's strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things that's a collaborative experiences, you know, that's um, it's a, a, like a metaphor for life because it's, that's what, what, what does happen. There's very few people that we go through life with all the way through, right from, you know, start to finish aside from our family. We choose to, we choose to collaborate with people. We go on these adventures together. We part our ways, um, you know, part ways and go and do different things, come back together every now and then. That's a lot like what Phil and I do. You know, we, we both live very, you know, we, we live different lives, don't we? And, you know, we do different, we do different job roles, but when you come together with a, you know, different skill sets, but an understanding, a mutual understanding about what we're trying to achieve and we can communicate that together and do we, what we can do best to the best of our ability and hope that a bunch of people come along for the ride with us. Um, I think that's a, that, that sort of sums up the way that we would do a lot or we would facilitate a lot of these courses. We never, we never told anyone to do anything. It was always, um, it was always a, Hey, we're going to go on this journey with you. Feel free to come along and, you know, very open and honest. That's, it's something that, you know, you can do in your everyday life, but it works very well for training. If, if you can stand up in front of a group of people that you maybe have never met before and give them the, the honest truth right from the outset, people, people are challenged by that because they're not used to it anymore. They're sort of like, oh, I'm used to being fluffed around and I'll have this little, you know, they get this nice little spiel. It's like, no, this is me. This is what I'm about. This is why I'm here. Feel free to, you know, let's, feel free to come along or choose not to. That's your choice. But it would be worth it if you do. And that's the most important thing, Matt, and I think we, we all share that, um, you know, that, that value or those values is that's the most important thing. It's not the money. It's not the sales funnel you can pour someone into. Um, mm. Just wanted to get a facial expression from <laughs> Phil. <laughs> you got it. Um, it's not... <laughs> The, the the key is though I suppose coming back to the the start Matt is the experience that you provide does change people does shift their thinking their worldview bust open you know old emotions they're holding inside all of those all of those things that that that's what they get out of the experience but I think the hard part for a lot of brands is getting people there in the first place mm. it's being able to portray that story and capture what it is that they're going to get out of that experience and that is the key you know he said he said trust us you know that that that, you know and 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 we do because we know that you guys you know when you're on these programs you do a great job and i've never been there but i trust that that that's what is occurring how do you go a step further to someone who doesn't um know as much as we do about the experience and convince them to give it a go and that's really what story message and and brand and the content that comes out of that that's really the job of of those sort of four elements if you like and without that you don't have a sustainable you know sort of set of experiences or you know business you don't have all of the other things that come along with that it it 
the experience and the connection is the most important thing. But as Phil always likes to say, we do we do operate in a world that, you know, we've got this financial game that we play as well. <laughs> and we've got to pay the rent and put food on the table and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and But the interesting thing is there's a way to do all of those things, you know, the, connect with people through the visual communication. There's a way to do that in an authentic way. There's that word. We haven't mentioned authentic in this podcast yet, Phil. Not in this episode anyway. There's a way to do that that is grounded and is genuine and appeals to people and they will give the experience a go. It doesn't have to be right, you know, you, you can get 15% off and you've got till 5 o'clock this afternoon to be put into our sales funnel to be in the nurture sequence and in the, you know, um, you know, the founders program. You'll have a lifetime membership, but it's got to be, you know, there's a time limit on it, and all these, all these psychological tricks, right, that that are played on on us. People using the understanding of human nature and the psychology to manipulate, essentially. So there's a, there's a very distinct difference between influence. And you know, potentially say persuasion, you could call it, and manipulation, mm. and 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 that's what we see in the world. When you feel that negative, sort of promotional stuff pushing on you, that's more manipulation than it is real, genuine influence. And I think that shows out in Matt's photos. Uh, you know, I think that's the key here. It's it, it. You look at the photos. The moment captured the emotion in the person. Um, captured in the photo there is the things you're talking about there you don't actually need you can't measure but you inherently know you know when you're getting done over you know when what's being done isn't right you know when you're not doing what is right um it's there's a feeling to this a sense to this that we inherently know but we choose to ignore or go around and and the beauty of of the photos that Matt's captured is that it's unmistakable evidence and it communicates it and we feel it when we look at it. That's, that's, that's just unbridled energetic influence. It's literally causing a shift in our body system and everything else you've just talked about, the funnels and all those other wonderful things that are used as manipulation mechanisms and if you like non-ethical or unethical influence tools are created by people that don't actually understand how to influence and and the um the key to this in that sense is that we need to go there first Mm. so you know matt said on the programs and that you know mentioned trust and you referred to it as well yes but we need to let go first so as facilitators we need to let go first because only then will we create an environment where others are encouraged to do the same we don't tell them to let go we just we go there first, and that's where the the bravery, the courage, and and you know some in some respects the discipline and the drive starts to kick in because you have to let go first. And this is a lot of the tools you're referring to there, and all that funnel stuff and all the manipulation is simply a process being applied by people that simply don't understand how to influence. They simply don't. All they're doing is running out some system process-based sausage factory thing in order to get an outcome and trick you into acting in a particular way so they make some money. And I think people are actually in COVID-19 and coming out of it, people have had a new awareness about how that mechanism works and about the fact that they just simply don't like it anymore. No. And so the, 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 the topic that we've got here right now I think is so strong in where we need to go to as a world and it links in directly with performance it links in directly with online presence it's all driven by emotion and it's all driven by people that are grounded in their own right to be able to perform the steps they need to to get others to the same place and i think that's just the i think that's probably a from my point of view that just summarizes where i see it based on what we've just been talking about oh for sure it's been a great chat matt today like just it's a whole different angle on 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 the, on the subject you know the, there's a lot of photography podcasts out there but I, I'm, I'm betting you that they haven't covered 
you know, the, what you do in, in this way? Something that something that's sort of triggered in my head. So, or something that just triggered um, with Phil and yourself just um, summarising it is if I'm looking at it from just the, like the photo aspect um, of what you're talking about, people innately know when they're being conned. They know when it's advertising. They know when things are staged. Like you can look at a, a really polished, like a polished website. I, I, I do it all the time. I'm the same as you guys. I'll jump on to look at a product or a company and it immediately shows when they've used stock imagery, when they've used, <laughs> a, you know, a web designer that's gone, hey, um, I can make this look really cool for you. Um, the biggest difference with what, what I've been very lucky enough to capture is that it's all real. All of it, none of it, none of it is staged. Like, I actually feel awkward getting people to pose for photos. I'm, I'm actually really, I'm a terrible portrait photographer by my, you know, by my own recognition because if I have to set up lights and bits and pieces, I, I find that really tough because it's not, it's, it's staged. It's, it's not what you, you know, people almost, if you have a real photo, a real image of someone doing something in the moment. It, it shows immediately. You can see right through onto that website and go, hang on, that was, that's a legit thing. That's, you can't fake that. And that's where, uh, that's where these, these photos, what you said, Phil, that, you know, you can, you can feel it when you look at it because it, because it is real. You, you see right through the filter, you see right through the, you know, I, I definitely do post produce the photos to give the maximum impact they can, but the raw material is real it always was it always will be and that's the that's the reason why it works so well for that influence bit that you're looking at so if you look at a, at a website where the imagery has been taken you know in the in the process of what you're trying to portray you can't hide that that is that's just how it is and I know that's that's what I go looking for if I start looking at an online site or whether or not I wish to you know, pass my hard-earned money over to somebody. I look at it and go, "What's what are these people actually about?" And you can you can see that just in the way that they portray themselves with the with the imagery, whether it's real or not. And I think that's been something we've been um, very fortunate to have, and that's why it, that's why it works. Yeah, oh, spot on. I think the the thing you know, in marketing and branding terms, we're in the expectations business, and if you set an expectation that you know is different from what they're going to get, what they're going to experience. They're going to smell it a mile off. Um, mm-hmm. And if they don't and they get there and it's not what they expect, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> and you're going to <laughs> no. do the opposite of creating a good experience, relationship, connection, all these things we've talked about. Yeah. And then you're going to be in, you know, defensive mode of, oh, no, yeah, oh, oh yeah, really like your feedback and then and then you go into reputation building and 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 a lot of these situations that i i confront you know in with repairing reputation so to speak the root cause is none of this stuff has been thought about properly the expectations mm. weren't set properly in the first place the feedback wasn't received um and it might have been received but wasn't acted on all of these sorts of things, and and it's just a bit ironic that, like you were saying, Phil, people think that they can just turn on a system process, a sausage factory essentially, and their widgets will fly off the shelf and everything will be fine. No one will want, no one will know that you know this thing doesn't work, or or I'm not really who I say I am, or you know. <laughs> my whole team, like my whole, t- I've got a cult- toxic culture, and my whole team is. Uh, I don't think we can think that way anymore. Even if we want to, even if we want to, even if that's our innate nature to put up a facade, you can't. I got on Twitter this morning, and as you do, and one of the first things I read was an email that was supposed to be sent internally in an organisation, and I won't, I won't mention them. And it was an apology to the team about how the culture had gone off the rails and it was offering people a way out of the company. 
with various different severance packages and all this sort of, sort of thing. How did it get to that point? <laughs> and also, there's a letter that was supposed to be private internally in the company broadcast on Twitter. You can't, we can't, we're not in a world where you can hide behind all of this sort of crap and facade-like behaviour. You just can't do it anymore. The, the, the cat is out of the bag. And if you, if you don't understand that as a, as a business owner, someone who's building a brand and communicating an expectation, then I don't know what to tell you. you you're sort of you're on a road to nowhere. It's happened again, eh? <laughs> what have we done? Well, we've just what have we, we done? What have we done this time? We've started talking with Matt's help. <laughs> with Matt's help, and we've just gone on another journey, and and a journey that we didn't necessarily know the destination of, um, but oh, I think it's been value packed. I hope so. I hope uh, I hope people out there are enjoying the the relaxed nature of the conversation, and uh, and also you know we we do put a bit of effort. We have put a bit of effort into this, putting this whole thing together. Um, I think I was saying to you, Phil, we've been starting to get some feedback from people, and it's been um, it's been some great feedback and some really constructive feedback. Um, and I've been listening to some other podcasts out there and they sort of switch on and just start chatting. And it might sound like that's what we do as well, but <laughs> there's a lot more behind it than just turning on the microphone. Yeah. It's connection, selection, performance, a whole range of things. And I, I guess it's just been a, a good episode with, with you on board, Matt, in terms of the experience you've got, the, the nature of who you are and what you do. And, and again, I don't say that from a this is not like I said this is not promotional this is not just saying it because it's the right thing to say I only say stuff I genuinely believe and and that's that's where it's at Matt so you you're in the right space you got an incredible talent that I don't think's been fully actually realized yet in the big wide world <laughs> um, in that photography space and then your understanding of emergency response and and all the technical skills that go with it so certainly been a pleasure to to uh, to have Matt on board for this episode Ian. Oh, for sure. Thanks, Matt, for your time coming on the coming on the show. Can I say thanks so much? It's something that um, I get to chat with Phil every now and then, every month or so, and I never know where the conversation's going to go. <laughs> and I always, I always hang up the phone with a smile on my face and a question in my head. And <laughs> I think that's a uh, that's a good way to be. I like I like people that are able to pinpoint things and, and actually challenge you rather than just playing nice and, you know, talking about the weather. <laughs> right, that's a nice wrap-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Matt. Really, really appreciate you coming along. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Human Hackers, where we talk human and online. Phil Richards and Ian Hopkinson.